Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about taking a look at thinking about food in midlife. Who doesn't like thinking about food these days, right? I mean, really, these days in the pandemic and all, we're home more than ever before. And when you're home, it's pretty easy to get distracted with what is going on in the kitchen. I mean, really, what needs to be replaced in the kitchen, what food is running low, what's going on in the kitchen, all of the cooks in the kitchen, all of it. Even the grocery routine is different and is affecting things. So less exercise, really. That's what I'm talking about. I'd gotten to the point in the old days before the pandemic to think about grocery shopping as exercise. That thought It just helped me feel less grouchy overall because I really didn't enjoy grocery shopping. Um, I had this cousin and one time we were together in a grocery store in the 80s when we were in university. She lived on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. So we didn't ever get to shop together. And that may have been the only time ever. And I don't even remember the details. (laughs) But we were in a grocery store together and she said how much she loved shopping. She loved buying groceries. I was floored. It didn't even occur to me that anybody could like it because I really didn't enjoy it. Anyway, that kind of got me thinking. And then that thought evolved over the years. And before the pandemic, I did start to think about grocery shopping as exercise. So before I would drive to the grocery store or Costco and walk around shopping, pack the groceries, pack them into the cart, pack them into the car unpack them, unpack them at home, get them out of the car, unpack them running up and down the stairs many, many times into the basement pantry and the extra freezer to the extra fridge in the laundry room several times. And we're in a split level house. So there's lots of like half flights everywhere. But I started to think that's a lot of lifting. It's a lot of packing and unpacking, bending (laughs) down, crouching, kneeling, all of the things, and running up and down the stairs. So I I did start to think of it as exercise. Now, you might be rolling your eyes, or maybe you're thinking, oh, Susie, that's a great idea. I'm going to think about it as exercise too. (laughs) But now I order online. Any real exercise or movement has to be quite intentional. Like today, for example, Peloton was on the calendar and I was on the bike. Yesterday, it was gorgeous, and we took our dog, Nico, for a nice long walk. But I think you know what I mean. The everyday stuff has changed in so many ways, and in my house, that's one of the ways. That's the story most of the time anyway, but the regular daily activities of actively moving around, other than walking the dog, have been curtailed for many. There are two other things that have happened at my end that have me thinking about food more these days, and I wanted to draw your attention to them too, because as usual, I know I'm not the only one. (laughs) So the first thing is that there are adult kids at home these days, and this is directly related to food. The kids are fun. The kids eat later. The kids eat more. The kids snack at night. So I'm just mentioning 
the kids. <laughs> so how does that affect me, you might be wondering. Well, it doesn't have to, but it does. First, I want to make sure they have what they want and like. They like to cook. They assemble gorgeous sandwiches. They experiment and make some dinners. They try the herbs that we have growing in the hydroponic uh, planter that's in the kitchen. They love the barbecue. They love baking. And they like fun snacks. And they take the time to do all of this. Not all the time, but they do do it. And yes, I said do-do. And around here, that is a cause for celebration. You know I just wrote a book about celebration, right? And how we should celebrate more in midlife. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but when anybody says do-do in my family, (laughs) we pause. (laughs) Anyway, um, so I'm thinking about that kind of food as well. And the real troublesome one, though, is the way I think about what they're doing in the kitchen as fun. They're fun. The food is fun. Therefore, eating is fun. That's how it goes down in my brain. So what's happened is the association of eating with them is fun. All of a sudden, nachos at 10 p.m. are fun. Ice cream at 11 p.m. is fun. More ice cream than has ever been in the house before is fun. Get the picture? Now, I have to tell you, I've seen this thought association in my brain before. Associating eating with the kids as fun makes the food fun, that association. This is something I've been thinking pretty regularly when eating with them. Like once they became old enough to sit in a restaurant nicely (laughs) and have conversations, those early days, that was not fun. Oh my God, I remember it so well and thinking, I don't think we should be at restaurants until everybody is over four or five. Like it was just brutal. Anyway, but now things are different and it's just fun. I mean, before the pandemic, we would dine out and we would, you know, order appetizers. And there was always a lot of excitement about the appetizers. And I've noticed, like I said, just since they've been, you know, more adult-like humans, it is... It has really been fun. Now with them busy in the kitchen at home and not all of us out at a restaurant, that type of thinking has morphed a bit. Have you noticed anything about the way you think about food that's related to your people? So that's the first thing. And now the second thing that's happened at my end that has me thinking about food more these days is the development of lactose intolerance. Turns out that you can become lactose intolerant in your late 50s. That's what I'm discovering right now. And A, it has me thinking about food a lot. And B, has me experiencing a fair bit of negative emotion too. That is, sometimes your midlife happiness coach gets a little grouchy. And if you don't know, and I certainly don't know much, I looked up the definition. Lactose intolerance is a digestive condition that happens when an individual does not produce enough lactase enzymes in the small intestine to digest the lactose in dairy products. Now, without going into TMI, let's just say it can get uncomfortable and increase the need for privacy sometimes. (laughs) And that, there's a big learning curve, and I'm at the beginning of it, a huge learning curve. I feel clueless. Good thing I have lots of friends with food sensitivities and allergies, and I'm sure will be happy to help. But for now, I've had to consult the Google and it's been, uh, I just feel really out of my element. The other thing is that because I really don't know what's going on with the relationship between what I'm consuming and how I'm feeling, I need to start taking some notes 
and tracking things. And like I said, there's a lot to learn. I really don't know anything. And it's a giant learning curve on, on so many levels. And all of this has reached ahead this week for some apparent reason that's a mystery to me. Because <laughs> I really, it's, it's just new. And I don't really understand what might happen here or there. Like I said, it reached ahead. And this has really got me thinking about food, as you can imagine. Specifically, the two things I can't stop thinking about are a potential life without cream in my coffee and cheese. Oh my God, it boils down to these two amazing edible delights in my life. I can't imagine a life without cheese or cream in my coffee. Could you? (laughs) I didn't start drinking coffee until my mid-20s at my first job. It seemed to be what all the cool kids did at work. So that's what I did. I wanted to be a cool kid. So I would get my butt into the um, office kitchen back in the day and learn how to make coffee, learn how to drink coffee, learn to enjoy coffee. It was very, very social. I always used milk, though, until a few years ago when I discovered that cream was simply way better, hands down. No sugar, just cream. And I thought it was perfection. I don't know when I realized how much I love cheese. It's cheese and cream, in case you forgot. (laughs) The very first job I had way back in 1978 was at a cheese shop at the local mall, which was called Montgomery Mall in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. And this store was called the Swiss Colony. So like I said, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I think the Swiss Colony was kind of an East Coast chain. I don't think it was on the West Coast. Um, I was 15. I got to wear a cute red classic Swiss type uniform dress and stand in the mall hallway with a tray of cheese and salami samples. I would say, hi, would you like to try a sample to strangers walking by? And I would be holding the tray of yummy little cut up cheese squares. How do I know they were yummy? (laughs) Well, let's just say that I sampled cheeses from all over the world that summer with a smile on my face. That's for sure. And also what I can say is that that love of cheese was developed, further developed that summer, but it started early. And that brings me to the way we think about food. In honor of spending so much time at home this year, and also for the majority of us who have put on a few pounds this past year, the thing is that food in and of itself does not create your emotions about the food. The way you think about the food that's what creates your feelings. The food itself is just sitting there. It doesn't create your emotions. Not everybody thinks this way about cheese. For example, if you're familiar with the five-step thought awareness framework that I teach here on the podcast, which we refer to as the thought model originated at the Life Coach School, you will recall that food would be classified as a circumstance or as the neutral part of the scenario you're working hard to understand. So there's food. And in this example, let's use cheese. Cheese doesn't actually make you happy, but the way you might be thinking about cheese, the way I think about cheese, does make you happy. It makes me happy. (laughs) The coach that taught this concept to me before I was a coach, um, she taught me to think about food as molecules on a plate. Now that totally cracks me up, but It's a great way to take the emotional charge out of the food so that you can really understand what you're making it mean. So interesting, right? So 
Here are what I believe to be the top three ways that you may be thinking about food that just don't help you with your weight loss goals in midlife. So let's take a look. The first one is comfort. It's pretty common to think about food as comfort. I found a definition of comfort food, food that provides a consolation or a feeling of well-being, typically with any high sugar or other carbohydrate content and associated with childhood or home cooking. That makes sense, right? Think about how you might think about cheese or something that has that home cooking kind of memory for you. Something about childhood, perhaps. It's probably ooey gooey. It's probably carby. Think about it. Pasta, something that you would dip. I don't know. I think a pot pie. (laughs) I think about cheese of all kinds, for sure. But what is ooey gooey? What is comfort food to you? So food that provides consolation or a feeling of well-being, typically any high sugar or other carbohydrate content associated with child or home cooking. Cooking. Now that's just one definition, but I think it's a pretty good one. So for me, cheese totally falls in this category and I couldn't believe what I learned when I looked this up. I mean, I know I'm not a cheese whiz, (laughs) but apparently cheese contains an amino acid called tyrosine, which apparently makes us humans feel content. It has something to do with regulating moods. So if you're curious about the you know, the gory details of cheese, have fun looking up this cheese fact on Google to get more information. But even though cheese might be associated with making humans feel content, I'm not talking about what's going on at this level of cheese consumption. I'm talking about the way that you think about the cheese in advance before it touches your mouth. Like right now, the way you think about cheese, the way I think about cheese, the way you think about anything that brings you comfort when it comes to food. And what I've noticed lately being home so much is that so many of us are thinking about all kinds of comforts of home, not just food. I've seen stories on the news about an increase in spending on home renovations, for example. We're all into comfort these days. I mean, I made the patio look nicer, right? We're focusing on it because what we're experiencing isn't comfortable at all. It is stressful, but the majority of us are gaining weight. And I'm sure you've heard all the jokes about the COVID-15. And I heard some new research recently out of the University of California that found that people are gaining 1.8 pounds per month during the stay-at-home stuff that's going on. All the public health guidelines to stay at home, shelter in place, stay at home, whatever you call it. So the weight gain is real. And my guess is that a desire to de-stress and search for comfort just might be related. So that's what happens. And that's what so many of us do. We think of food that will comfort us. What is the food that will comfort us even before we eat it? Like it has special powers. Like it's a blankie. (laughs) Who, Who doesn't want a pandemic blankie? Please and thank you. And it's not just in the pandemic. This is a common way to think about food and it's basically emotional eating. You may have heard it referred to as that. We want food to make us feel better, to keep us busy, entertained, right? Rather than remembering that food is neutral. But what we think about the food, that's not neutral at all. It is loaded like a baked potato with yummy sour cream and chives. Or for me, lactose-free sour cream and chives, that is. Okay, 
So the second way that you might be thinking about food that doesn't help you with your weight loss goals in midlife is that you think about it as a reward. This is when you specifically think about food as a reward for doing something fun or being proud and wanting to celebrate or preventing yourself from doing something bad. Can you think of how you might be doing this? The image I have in my head is when you might go out for a special meal in honor of reaching a milestone or accomplishing something big. So maybe, you know, when my kids graduated from university, I couldn't imagine not taking everyone out for a celebratory meal, for example. Very proud, celebrating a milestone, definitely wanted to reward uh, who graduated with uh, an acknowledgement, a food-related acknowledgement of the celebration. And it was definitely a celebration and such a common way to think. But when it gets a little weird is when you want to use food as a reward from preventing yourself from doing something bad. And that's often around eating too much. The classic is that you might find yourself thinking, if I'm really good this week and stay on my diet or my food protocol or I stick with my food plan, if I'm a good girl, then I'll reward myself with something decadent that's clearly off plan. Have you done that? It totally makes no sense to think like this when you have a weight loss goal. You're trying to help your body release weight, but when you're doing a good job of it, your reward is something that's in conflict with you helping yourself reach your goal. Way back in the early 90s, I remember going to Weight Watchers meetings in a local mall. And after the meeting, I would pass a chocolate kiosk on the way out. And if I lost weight, I would reward myself with a chocolate bar from Laura Secords. Now, there are a million other ways I could have chosen to reward myself, like maybe buying a new top. I mean, I wasn't a mall. Maybe some fresh cut flowers or a new nail polish, maybe a nice massage. But that's not what I chose. And this is a common way that we think. Even my dog, Nico, the noof, has gotten into the action, which obviously has something to do with my thinking. (laughs) But when he finishes a bowl of salmon, herring, and rice, he lets us know. He's part of the Clean Plate Club. He comes over and he wants to tell us. And then we give him a dentist stick as a reward. This kind of thinking goes deep, so be on the lookout for it. And the third way you may be thinking about food that doesn't help you with your weight loss goals in midlife is thinking about it as entertainment. Oh my God, I am so guilty of this one. I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. And here, uh, I just want to go into it a little deeper. It's become really clear to me now that the kids are home during the pandemic. And what this means is that you might think eating is the entertainment. We think that our magical food molecules work together somehow to create the fun. So when I have a plate of nachos with my kids, it's fun and entertaining. Like it's the nachos that are fun even though they're just a pile of chips with some cheese and other stuff on top. They don't feel neutral at all. It's like they have magical powers, especially at night. And I did notice this over the years as well, like I mentioned, but at restaurants. It always seemed more fun to eat the nachos with the kids. Now, we're not going to restaurants these days. But the thing is that nachos aren't fun. It's the company that's fun. It could be argued that I could have just as much fun with the kids eating a salad. (laughs) What do you think about that? Or not eating at all. They could be eating, but I don't need to be eating. And it could be argued that it could be just as much fun. 
So think about it. What food do you think of as fun? And then ask yourself why. What really makes the situation entertaining? It's not the situation or the food. It's what you make the situation mean. So in my nacho example, the nachos aren't the fun, but I make eating with the kids fun. That's the thought I have. And I think it feels more entertaining to me, especially at night. I don't know, maybe it's that association of uh, nighttime relaxing or nighttime celebrating nighttime fun, but I definitely see that I associate it that way. Technically, I could just be there with them at night, sipping my peppermint tea, not eating the nachos, and still be entertained. And so could you. So just think about it. It's good to know, and it's really good to explore. So to review, the three common ways you may be thinking about food that don't help you with your weight loss goals in midlife are comfort, reward, and entertainment. So if you're working on helping your body release extra weight, be on the lookout for thoughts related to these three things and see what you notice yourself thinking. When you learn to think on purpose about food in midlife, you will be more intentional about your life, how you relate to those molecules on your plate, and overall, how you decide to do midlife on purpose. You've got this, one bite and one thought at a time. Okay, that is it for this episode. As you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time being afraid of not reaching your potential and feeling stuck about aging, about empty nest, about relationships, about your career, about being more compassionate toward yourself, about all of it. It's time to get excited about your life again. Remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be, and I am here to help. This is what you'll learn when you hire me as your coach. Learning the mindfulness concepts are one thing, but when it comes to applying the concepts, that's when you really benefit from coaching. I can help you grow and change faster. I won't let you get away with some of that drama and mind shenanigans. I'll be asking you questions and you'll be seeing the connections and the insights about what you want more clearly. It's such a beautiful gift to help yourself waste less time spinning already and finally move forward. It really is. And that's why you should make sure to join the Finally First Club. We're waiting for you. It's your one-stop home away from home for midlife coaching, community, and connection. And you can finally get that fresh perspective on life, on your midlife. And it will help you sail into your next chapter with a huge smile on your face. So join us now at www.imfinallyfirst.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.coachwithsusie.com. And to get a copy of my new book, 50 Ways to Celebrate Life After 50, check out Amazon or your favorite online bookseller or go to www.50waystocelebrate.com. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first. Life is too short to waste time feeling stuck. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.